0: Well, how about it, kid? You know, you could really use a break. Why don't you give me a name?
1: You guys got a lot of laws, right? Well, let me tell you something. I only got one law. A kid who tells on another kid is a dead kid.
2: Well, that's a good rule, kid. That's right. It'll serve you well in jail someday.
1: Damn straight.
0: The Lifers Podcast with Scott Lucas, Gabe Rodriguez, and Ben Riser. And now, here's Scott, Gabe, and Ben.
2: Oh yeah, that's probably a good. Idea. No, I guess. The zoom is good. Do you, you want to start again? One, one, two, three,
0: four.
2: No, no. <laughs> wanna start over?
0: No, it's going so well. Gabes doing his like. What's which Beatles album is that? Is it Meet the Beatles?
2: It's the Tanks, Man. Oh, you're talking about. I thought you're talking about the countdown. One, two, three, four. One, two. You
0: know. No, I'm talking about that. You're like in this stark light that that's nah, getting it's your face like and Rubber soul. Is it? No, it's not rubber yes. soul. I mean, yeah, rubber soul, but I think it's also. It's Meet the Beatles, uh, where it's just yeah, their faces. Yeah, Meet the Beatles. Thank you, Meet the Beatles. Where What's-Her-Face did the that cover, right? Astrid. You're Right. Linda? Linda. No, not Linda. <laughs> Astrid. Right. Pete Best's girl. Was that Pete Best's girlfriend? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I wish I'd cut that Pete Best comment out of last week's show. That's a good name. You know what? I thought about cutting it I out. I was hoping you would cut it, but, and then I forgot um, to do
3: it myself. I thought about cutting it out. <laughs> But then I realized that it was actually a good shorthand way to um, explain who Matt was to people who didn't know who he was. Um, And, you know, we got into it later. So, you know, it's not a big deal.
0: No, but I mean, it was such a it turned into such a beautiful, I thought, interview and a wonderful conversation that you guys had. And I just thought like that sort of flip shit was not didn't end up suiting the mood of the rest of the show but it was
3: fine you got to read the room ben you got to read the room before you I go don't mind into these being things. listen
0: i know you try to protect me but i don't mind being the heel if that's what if somebody needs to be the heel <laughs> you can't be <laughs> the coming. heel i gotta be the heel everyone has a role to no, play no 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 it, it, it gets to you when people think you're the heel so i don't want i don't i don't want you to who me yeah you're like i don't give two fucks oh okay good
3: all right so uh how is everybody
0: uh, I've got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you look. I'll, can I just tell the listeners, you guys, uh, you look great for having COVID.
3: Oh, I feel great for having COVID. That's what's so, that's what's so fucking annoying about the whole thing is that I, I that just leaving these shows on the table, leaving mm-hmm. these sold out shows on the table mm-hmm. for this, for me feeling pretty goddamn good, um, have you retested? Really have you gotten
0: another test?
3: I've done two, and they both came up um, positive. So uh, I think I'm going to take another. Like I don't know, maybe tomorrow. Um, within like within a few days, it'll have been. You know, I'll have been to the point where I've quarantined enough. You know, so it. I don't know. I mean, why should I waste more money on another?
0: Line oh, sure.
3: Another positive test.
0: What uh, what prompted you guys to take your first test that you discovered you were both positive?
3: That Ryan was starting to feel under the weather. So it was kind of like, because honestly, when when I talked to you guys, that's when Ryan was starting to feel under the weather and he had gone out to eat with Radke. And after I got done talking to you guys last week, uh, he texted me. He's like, man, I think I have the symptoms. I think we should take a test tomorrow. I'm like, all right, okay. All right, let's do this, you know? Because, I mean, I had one day where I was really sick, and I thought it was food poisoning. And I vomited all over the place, and I was like, oh, I feel a lot better. This must be food poisoning. This must be the the shrimp I ate earlier. Was that before Um, or after we podcasted? That was before. Oh, okay. So, um, and then we didn't give it another thought, and the next day I was fine, you know? Um, I wasn't 100%. Um, and I think when you listen to the last week's episode, I do sound pretty fucked up.
0: Well, and I'm, I say that right off the bat. I'm like, man, it sounds like you've been leaving it all on stage because you sound right. like a horse. And, and that's
3: something that happens every yeah. tour. So yeah. it, that's one of the things it's 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 hard to figure out. Like, you know, am, am, is my voice just fucked up because I'm screaming every night? Uh, am I hung over? You know, there's all these things that, you know, you, you look at these. Uh, symptoms I was like no that's just being on tour you know am I tired yeah I'm tired but I'm on tour you know I've been on tour for two months so so then when I started to get to Ryan he goes I think I feel something I was like all right we gotta we gotta figure this out and I've taken so many tests in the last year and a half and they've all come up negative that when I finally got a positive test I was like whoa I don't know what to do here and you know, and and Ryan was really freaked out. And so we were just like, let's call Eddie, and then cancel all those shows, you know. And then we we made the the long drive back home. Uh, it was a bummer, you know. I mean, like I said, I, I feel fine, but I'm just bummed out because the shows were going so well, and we were finally hit our stride, and then, you know. I don't know where exactly it happened, where we got it, how we got it. Everybody was doing what they were asked to. We did what I thought. I thought we did everything right. Um, And we did. We did do everything right. There's just, you know, nothing you can do about it. It's nobody's fault. You know, it's not like there's a state that I want to blame or anything like that. Or there's people that I want to blame because everybody did everything we asked. You know, just can't do anything about it
0: moving on you know and Ryan's feeling okay now
3: yeah Ryan's good like uh, there was a couple of days on that drive where he was feeling it but I was further along than he was so if there was ever a time when he couldn't drive I would drive you know I I did some of the driving so it, it was fine and by the time we got home we were both whatever you know so that's the story it's real kids it's out there
2: I guess I guess the, the moral is you, you could have got it earlier, you could have got it later, but uh, you get to go back and play some shows at the end of the tour at least, right? Uh,
3: yeah, we get to uh, start the tour back up in Atlanta at the Shaky Knees Festival, which will be perfect because that's outside, it's a festival show, um, but uh, we're giving ourselves more than enough time. You know, from what I hear, it's 10 days from your first symptoms and, and you know, I mean, it's more than enough time. It'll be well over two weeks. So I feel pretty good about it. Um, like I said, I'm really bummed about missing those shows. I talked to the Radke guys, and maybe we can you know, reschedule them sometime next year, maybe in the spring or something, I don't know. Um, and maybe we can just sort of make a more expanded, concentrated Midwest run, where we can add things like Detroit and Minneapolis to the slate and uh, maybe Madison and you know we'll do it right and really concentrate on the Midwest but the shows that we had were I was really looking forward to them it was, it was a big bummer yeah yeah but it is Halloween coming up uh, how, and so uh,
0: you know it's uh, you're showing some Halloween movies Right, Ben? Yeah, we're showing Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and we're showing um, Possession.
3: Oh, Oh, my God. New restoration of Possession?
0: We're actually showing a beat-up 35-millimeter print of Possession.
3: Uh, Either way is really cool. Yeah. That movie is great. Yeah. Uh, If you haven't seen Possession, and I know you haven't, Gabe, run. Run. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Run straight to this movie. One of the craziest and the craziest breakup movie of all time. Uh, it, it, is, it is something else. It is a great, great fucking movie. Um, but it's not a horror film. It is a horror film, but it's not a horror film. It's a domestic drama that spins out into a horror film. Um, and is there an, there's a new restoration. I know that it's playing at the Metrograph in New York. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm hoping to check that out when we we swing through there. But is it available anywhere for people to rent? Do you know?
0: I don't think so. Not yet.
3: All right. Well, well, if you live in the Madison area, area, you should go check out a beat-up 35-millimeter print of it. I would.
0: Cinema.wisc.edu. You can check out our whole calendar. (laughs) Well, tonight
3: they're showing over at the... The drive-in that the music box sets up, they're showing uh, 1978's, the 1978 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And, and uh, Karen and I recorded a little intro for it that they're going to play tonight. So we're debating on whether or not we should drive over there. Um,
0: is, we'll Karen, is Karen sporting your face? Did you do? Did you do? <laughs> oh, I fucked up. Oh,
3: that would have been the best idea ever. Oh, Ben, why did, why didn't I tell you about this beforehand? Would you have been able to do that?
0: Yeah. You could have done that? Yeah. Oh, shit. It would have looked like shit, but it would have been something. That would, would have, have been, been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Remy's upset go. to hear that. Hey, what, you want to come in? I can't, I don't want to talk to you. I'm gonna
3: The haunting up. of Riser House. It sounds like, like
0: a baby. Fucker. It is. It's a baby uh, <laughs> dog. Yeah, he's a baby. All right. He's a 10-year-old baby. Um, so, uh, okay. So, that's cool. So that's great. And if, and if people want to hear Scott's full, uh, full, fully unload on the 78 version of Invasion of the Bystanders, right. there is a podcast called 70 Movies We Saw in the 70s. And that was our that second aside. episode. Was it our li- second episode? Second
3: episode. I listened to it yesterday to to sort of or the day before. One of the days we were driving back and I was listening to it figure out what I could say for this intro and uh it was painful. <laughs> was it? it was pain- oh yeah. Pretty oh, painful. Pretty painful. I just, you know, cuz um I wasn't quite the seasoned broadcaster that I am now. Uh, you know, that everyone has come to know and love, you know, like smooth, like honey. Yeah. Right, kid.
0: <laughs> Just like honey.
3: Let's uh, let's call D from Radkey and see how he's feeling. See if he's okay. Uh, he says he is. Let's give him a call. See what's up. Um, he doesn't know I'm calling, by the way, so he might not even pick up. Hello. Hello, D.
0: Hey, how you
3: doing man? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty well.
0: Our uh, tests were negative, by
3: the way. I heard they were negative from your dad. That's that's a huge relief for us. You are on the podcast, by the way, I should probably tell you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you should tell. I'm on the podcast.
3: Yeah, you're talking on the podcast. You're talking to me on the podcast. Yeah.
2: Okay, what's up?
3: So I just wanted to call and make sure you were okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm doing fine. We're all doing pretty well. Hold on. Uh (laughs)
3: <laughs> um, what the hell are you doing
1: I was gonna a scout with my girlfriend <laughs> we're gonna watch uh, some videos on YouTube
3: what are you gonna watch
0: uh, we're gonna watch uh, a channel I like to watch called they're like Abba and Preach and they just like they're like social commentators they like comment on videos and whatnot right um, but yeah
3: how long did it take you guys to get home
0: uh I think it took us about like maybe a day or no, it was two days I think come after on. we had gotten
1: uh but after we heard about that I
3: think, yeah,
1: I think it was like that about two days
3: well, a lot two faster days. than us
1: yeah when did you guys get back
3: oh i'm still not we're still not back we're 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 still in uh Washington <laughs> uh gotcha no, I'm kidding come on. Uh, <laughs> All right, dude. Go watch uh, YouTube, and uh, I'll talk to you later. And uh, I'll see you soon.
0: Yeah, I'm stoked.
3: Yeah, man. Sorry about this. So much fun. I know.
0: I was having a blast. Yeah. All right, man. All right. Take care. Talk to you. bye. was he saying? That he's his girlfriend calls him on Skype, and then they watch YouTube together while they're on Skype. I'm not sure. I, I didn't
3: want to get too 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 into it. Yeah, those guys. Uh, luckily, they're fine. It was we were having a really, really good time. It's uh, oh well. Eh, I don't want to. We did the right thing. We did the right thing, and we can always play more shows with them. It's we can always go back and do those shows again,
2: right? So you couldn't you couldn't have timed it any better with the release of the mix three <laughs> quarantine tape. I can't remember what you call it. As that- quarantine excellent point it was almost like a stupid
3: cosmic pu- publicity stunt it was like <laughs> i'm like oh we got covid we got to go home and quarantine and then i get a text from from uh, you know the record label like yeah it's congratulations it's coming out tomorrow i'm like oh jesus people are gonna think we planned this We <laughs> I mean, couldn't plan it any better amazing
2: Hopefully by the time people hear this podcast, we will have the CDs on their way to the headquarters and getting ready to be shipped out. CDs are f- about a week late. Oh, yeah? In the year of COVID, we can't get anything done right. Because of the UPC symbol. Because of the UPC symbol. We forgot to put the barcode on the stupid CD. If it's in the stores, you need the barcode. So our distributor said, yes, please put a barcode on there. We forgot it. We what did? Proof it, you know, dumb
3: stuff. And at this point, the C does not stand for COVID. It stands for code?
2: <laughs> but we'll get them out. <laughs> does it stand for code? The C on the barcode?
3: Uh, On UPC.
2: Come on, printer know. guys. I don't know what the UPC stands for. United? Pulse? Parcel code. No, no, no. Parcel? No. I don't
0: think it's parcel. But the other stuff might be right.
3: United, uh, price united price codes price mm-hmm. codes
0: UPC. UPC code so gabe how long is that oh it's the universal to yeah that's gonna kill me gabe i'm already half dead from this air conditioning universal product code is what it stands for ah what, what were you asking scott
3: i said how long is the? oh okay okay <laughs>
2: No, no, no. I'm, I'm turning my mute on when I'm not talking so people don't hear the stupid air conditioning. I was
3: going to ask how long that air conditioning is going to go for. It's killing it. You're
0: killing the vibe.
2: I'll fix it.
0: Wait, <laughs> okay. is, it a, is it an actual unit in a window or is it a central well, air conditioning thing? I hope it's, it's a, unit, a window. It's unit. a unit in a window,
3: yeah. 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 Or it's one of those little <laughs> units by the,
0: you know, under the window in the right. hotel. He's in yeah. a hotel. I mean, listen. You don't want to have to put on your parka again, anyway, right? I mean, this is the first week that you, been a while, that you've been able to wear indoor clothing in a podcast. Uh,
2: it's awful, but it's not. A it's not a language podcast without some technical difficulties in some way.
3: Well, I mean, you know, uh, it could be. No, it's something that we could strive for.
0: It's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Blockinger. <laughs> and Brian is sideways. You've the whole a world little... is sideways
0: now. So. Yeah. And Brian's
3: always <clears throat> been a little sideways, haven't you? I have. <laughs> now, uh, I'm trying to figure out how would we introduce you to people, Brian? Like, I mean, you've always been kind of a tastemaker figure here in Chicago.
4: Uh, I mean... I'm just a fan you know i've been a big fan of all this shit forever but uh yeah i don't know how you'd introduce me i mean that's the whole thing people are gonna go who is this (laughs) you know when they're watching it so i'm just a a fan of you know rock music since day one pretty much i think everybody
3: here is you know but all right let's start this off in uh in lifers podcast true fashion You told me you're banned for life from the Iron Maiden guest list. (laughs) So, so Brian used to work at record stores and he used to own a record store. And were you like a label rep for a while? Were you doing that?
4: I was, I had a bunch of, uh, kind of really entry label, entry level label jobs, like from metal blade and. I had, uh, I had a secret job at Sony, which was kind of weird. I was kind of in guerrilla marketing there, uh-huh. and working for capital.
3: So you, it, you weren't know, supposed to be, when you were at Sony, you weren't supposed to be getting paid because you were hanging up stuff that was against the law? Is that what was going on? No,
4: I was getting paid, but nobody at Sony in Chicago was allowed to know about it. And <laughs> okay, I was why? Doing, I was doing kind of like undesirable things, like sometimes illegal things. And, um... <laughs> <laughs> it was a really actually cool idea a guy named, uh josh at columbia came up with it and we would do things like you know vandalize bathrooms at clubs when you know sold out shows were happening with our bands and you know i could like bribe a doorman to wear a pin or something like that no yeah it was called the bomb squad and uh-huh. it was a pretty cool thing but it was so secret that Um, For almost a year after I quit, they kept paying me because no one knew how to get the (laughs) checks to stop coming. It was that secret (laughs) of a job. You're like the CIA. Right. And uh, what was funny was I had a pretty good relationship with the Sony people for years here. And then it got scary good. Like, they they were so weird. And I ended up at the Sony Christmas party in 93. And... One of them got drunk enough to be like, so you're a spy. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was weird. Like what's going on? And Sony fucked up and they put my information in the Sony phone book, the national one. Yeah. And I guess Chicago freaked out when they saw it. They completely freaked. But, uh, yeah, it was fun like all
3: job. of Chicago
0: or just the people that were working
3: people Sony worked at Son- okay.
4: People worked at Sony. Yeah. were freaking out about it.
0: So they thought you were like a secret shopper for like Sony central. Like to they really
4: it thought out. it was exactly, yeah. But uh, <laughs> so I did that, and then I went and I had a legitimate label job well, distribution job working for BMG in the early 90s, and that yeah. was a fucking nightmare. It was wow. terrible. I just it was it, it was just like the end of everything that was good that, that I liked about the music business, and it was, um, you know, bad people doing bad things, really. I started in the fall of '93. The day I started, I knew that Rose Records and Flipside were going to close. Mm-hmm. And Flipside and Rose Records didn't know that. And like the people that I was working for, were pretty much putting them out of business. So it was really a terrible thing. And it, it was it was it was just after like Garth Brooks and that achy-breaky heart shit where people saw how easy it was to make money selling music at Walmart. Yeah. And they were going through the same kind of business model doing it at Best Buy and Circuit City, which was destroying independence. And there was that whole movement against UCDs and home recording and everything that was happening there too. And some of the uh, chains, the good chains at the time, started selling used. It was kind of payback for them. They were pulling their advertising funds and support and all sorts of really nasty things. It was was a bad time for music, really bad. Yeah. Yeah, and um, after that, I opened up my own store in Lyle called Wild Cherry Records. And that was great. I loved that. It was the worst possible time you could have ever opened a record store in 1995. (laughs) You know, it was just, nobody was buying vinyl and it, it was, you know, CDs were, three dollars cheaper at best buy than they were when i bought them from a distributor i mean it was just a bizarre horrible right. time yeah
3: people but, don't remember that best buy is what gutted the entire industry before napster ever came around oh, best yeah. buy had already fucking destroyed it
4: absolutely yeah it was uh and people have no idea like even beyond the pricing that they had they're like best buy was my account we would pay for every one of those end caps and you know all the all those light boxes you saw in there cost thousands of dollars and basically they would turn around and pay their bills with that with that money so you know a winnie houston record we would be working that and each best buy would be getting you know eight hundred, nine hundred dollars from us turn around and pay the bill it's unsustainable you know you couldn't yeah. run a business like that but right. you got number one records that's yeah. what you got
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did it to themselves. You know. Absolutely. That's the thing. Like so. But you worked at Crow's Nest,
4: right? When you were that was great.
3: Yeah. Out of high school. Now people probably don't know Crow's Nest or, or JR's Music, those kind of places. But Crow's Nest was was that was that was the shit. That was one of those kind of places.
4: That was great. And even people that you know think of Crow's Nest and think of the Chicago store that. Wasn't the shit. I mean, the real Crow's Nest and Plainfield was one of the greatest record stores in the world. Right. And it, it was one of those places, too, where, where you know, it, it was great people. I mean, you know, so many people that were there Kevin, Kevin Tiesta, mm-hmm. Mark Skillicorn. It was just. Do you work
3: with those you know, we guys at together. the record store? Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and we hung all day and hung all night. And it, it was just like a group of people. We're, we're all still real tight, real, real good friends. And um, the, the Crow's Nest that that group of people worked at was in Naperville. And it was the first music store on the planet that did not sell vinyl. It was mm-hmm. kind of a bizarre thing. It was the first CD store that opened August 1st, 1987. And the original Crow's Nest in Crest Hill was m- one of the greatest record stores in the world. It, w- it was just. You know, a lot of people would say Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone was great, but I think Crow's had more personality. It really yeah. was an awesome story. Yeah.
3: And you were one of the guys that people would come in and go, what's, what's the cool shit? Uh,
4: I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. For a long time, we were that.
3: Yeah. No, but I'm talking about you specifically.
4: I think so. Yeah. There's a good buddy of mine, Paul, who uh, is the guitar player for Marilyn Manson now. And mm-hmm. he used to come in with his mom, you know? And like, when you had those kind of jobs, you always had to come out of some kind of side hustle. something you couldn't live off the paychecks, even with your parents. You still live in your parents' house. You couldn't do it. So I was always selling bootlegs and shit, you know, that wasn't supposed to be doing you know? <laughs> <laughs> to, to regulars. And uh, Paul, Paul, as a real young kid, would come in and he would listen to the music in the store. He'd come in during the day with his mom and I would make, you know, 90-minute mixtapes of what, I was, what was happening at the time, what I liked. And he would buy the tapes off me. He would want copies of the tapes that I made for in-store play. And we hooked up, you know, 10, 12 years ago. He still had the tapes. I, I was like, that's incredible. You know, he nice. still had this stuff. Yeah. It's
3: I mean, cool. was it mostly metal or, or, or what? No,
4: it was a little bit place, you know. Crow's Nuts did lean metal. Especially in the Naperville store, did well. Presto did too, but you know, we, we were all over the place. You'd have replacements for Gabe on there.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> You'd no. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, that but do it. You, Here it goes. But you, you also carried, oh, maiden, it's okay you know, when you,
0: Brian says it. Is that the deal?
2: <laughs> Motherfucker,
4: no, uh, that, that's gonna be a thing. But <laughs> no. I'm sure you had the maiden uh, in the rack as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But on the tapes, I mean, you go from, you know, maiden, older maiden to conquer Blonde to, you know, bang tango and then back to replacements or whatever. It, it was all over.
0: Yeah, always back to replacements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta
3: happen. <laughs> uh, and Thirsty Whale is going on around that time.
4: Too, yes.
3: Right. So you're you're basically hired. You're like hanging out with Warrant and Vixen and all these metal bands and going to uh, Thirsty Whale.
4: Yeah, well, hey, when first time Warren came here, they played at Thirsty Well. And the, those guys were good dudes. I mean, yeah. really, Janie was a nice, nice guy. And, uh, yeah, there's something there. At Thirsty Well was cool because I was right at the beginning of the All Ages shows on Sundays, which started happening, I believe, in end of 85, maybe. And the bands that we were seeing there were fucking awesome. I mean... I, I thought holland was a great band mm-hmm. and I, I, that stuff comes on shuffle today i'm like i can't believe this was my local band i used to go see all the time and uh i was really into diamond thought they were they were like the one band that looked right in those star shop clothes you know kind of were able to pull that off in trouble would be there sometimes yeah. which was awesome
0: you got any enough's enough stories um
3: <laughs> Ooh, you hit pay dirt, man.
0: And <laughs>
4: Enough, enough's kind of weird because I, I wasn't impressed the first couple times I saw them. They played bad shows. And uh-huh. everyone sounded good as well, except them, which is weird. <laughs> that, that was like one of the best sounding rooms in the world. I don't know if you guys remember that. I mean, you couldn't see anything, but it sounded great. And uh, it wasn't until years later, where I really got Enough's Enough, and I really got into it. And I was going to see them all the time with my buddy, buddy Andy. And uh, But my favorite Enough's Enough story, I was there, but I didn't participate, was they did an in-store at one of the Tower Records around here, and got caught shoplifting at their own in-store. That's <laughs> a classic. I was always trying to get the security footage of that. <laughs> I'm st- I still want it, if I can, but yeah.
0: Chip putting CDs underneath his hat.
4: I don't know if it was Chip. <laughs> it was one of them that cut with a duffel bag full of CDs. All right,
3: now's the time to get into this. Now is as good a time as ever to get into this. Ben, what is the obsession with Enough's Enough?
0: Uh, I just, I mean, I think those guys, well, I think Donnie is just a great songwriter. Uh, you, you know, I just think he's unstoppable. He's written so many what I think of his totally great power bomb. I can't tell if you're being serious. Oh. oh, I'm totally serious. Unstoppable? Brian will back me up.
4: I, I mean, agree with that. The guy should I, be I, dead
0: ten times over, but he's written ten albums at least worth of just fucking How did great, you get into Enough's Enough in New York? Uh, well, as everyone, how everyone gets into everything in New York through Howard Stern. They, for some <laughs> reason Howard picked up mm-hmm. on, on their first on a uh, on New Thing, on that song, New Thing, and had right. them in the studio. And I was like, I heard that song. I was like, oh, what is this? And then got the album, and that was it. Do you remember this bullshit, Brian?
4: I remember all of it. And I think that band, with a better management and someone to tell them, no, this looks stupid and you're alienating people, could have been a huge band. Yeah. I think there's talent as you get for a Chicago band. Other than local age, of course. But yeah, I mean, they, they were uh, they're great songwriters. I, I really think they, they sold themselves short every chance they had. And, and, and there's so much better than the shit that they get lumped in with.
3: What was the first concert you saw, Brian?
4: The first I saw kind of was an accident. And okay. I saw the Scorpions in 1979 at Chicago Crest. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a complete accident. I was uh, new to the area and my parents had guests. My aunt was in with a, kind of her step sons, which were my cousins kind of, and we went to Navy Pier and all the old people went to see Kingston Trio. And mm-hmm. I started noticing UFO shirts all over the place. And I knew the UFO songs from the radio, UFO and those loop shirts were all over. And we went to the rock doc and I don't know if it was before or after Comiskey park, but there was disco records flying over the place. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? You know, I was, yeah. I was 10 years old. And, uh, yeah, that was, I, I, I didn't know who the scorpions were, what they were, you know, it was a bunch of loud guitars and stuff. And it was awesome. I, I loved it. It was great. The, the first, like really going to a concert, for me it was um july 5th 1981 i saw rush at alpine valley Mm -hmm. and that was incredible Uh, but did the light the light went off at that scorpion show though right the light was off before that even happened like i wanted you know i always knew i wanted to be there but just being there and the smell and like the pot everywhere you know like I smoked pot, where you know, the babysitter's boyfriend would come in with a funny smell up, but it was never like in a cloud of it before, and it that was uh that that was huge, yeah, but but the rush one was just you know, wow, that was awesome. Joe Perry project opened that was
3: oh cool. right. I heard those stories about uh Joe Perry opening up for rush, and like Getty Lee would walk in and he and he goes to Joe Perry is like is everything good? You know that everyone's treating you well? And he's like yeah man and you know it's like our crew is you know got everything for you that you need. He's like yeah, he's like good because when we opened up for Aerosmith, he treated us like shit. I would never want anybody to be treated like that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's crazy. But uh what was also great about that was uh my parents were splitting up at the time and it was like, Well, if mom does this, mom takes you to Rush and then dad takes you to something. So soon after that I got to see uh Ozzy uh-huh. with uh Def Leopard opening with Randy Uh-oh. and that was that was the shit too, man. Oh, that God. was incredible. Yeah. I
2: think you're the I think you're the first person I know in person that has seen Randy Rhodes play live that I know.
4: Oh no, crazy. It was it was a very special thing. Yeah. At Pablo oh. Creek. And it, and
3: it was Def Leppard on high and dry tour.
4: Yes. Oh, Jesus. Oh and Oh, it was <laughs> let it go when I went in there and uh, they just <laughs> fucking killed
3: man. Oh, it's so good. That was great. So good. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, like most musicians, you, you, you go see these shows, you fall in love with rock music. Uh, and did you start playing in a band or were you just not, you never were interested in that or, you know, what? No,
4: I, d- I did it a little bit. I mean, it wasn't very good. So, you know, I don't talk about it a lot, but I started a band with Ronnie from triple fast. Yeah. Uh, that was uh first band was decadence uh-huh. in 85. <laughs> Ronnie had a PA. So he was, he was in and, uh, the guys, uh, it was it was cool, man. But it, it was it was kind of a weird time. We were doing like uh, probably half of what we did were covers from the first two Slayer records, uh-huh. that and some Kill 'Em All and some early Megadeth, and uh, you know really into that. But at at that time, like even friends of ours that were the metal it was like, if you put on the Slayer record, they would say this isn't music. Yeah, you know. So it was kind of a hard sell at that point, you know. Uh, kids playing those Slayer songs, but it was fun. It was yeah, funny... the, line,
3: the line had definitely been drawn.
4: Yeah. The funny thing about that was the first time we played, I was so over my fucking head. <laughs> we get, we played out by uh, Fox Valley, where you guys played. Yeah. Uh, but that was all farms back then. And we played in a barn And I'm going to this thing, and there's like a a traffic jam to get in. And I'm like, holy shit! I just want to turn around, you know, and get out of here. And we finally get to the parking lot, and I see the guys from Trouble walking around. I'm like, I cannot play my stupid fucking Slayer covers in front of Trouble. (laughs) (laughs) It was was miserable. It it turned out okay, but it would have been so much better if there was like four dudes there, you know, two of them help us bring our equipment in. Yeah. It was, it was cool. Ronnie, you know, Ronnie was good to be in a band with.
3: Yeah. Well, I was talking to Brian, uh, and he says you were the herb of the suburbs, you know, (laughs) back then basically, (laughs) and you would have these metal basement parties and everybody wanted to hang out with you.
4: Well, that's very nice of Brian to say. They weren't actually my parties. I know what parties he's talking about. My buddy Otto. And that's, that's where triple Pass started. I believe is at an auto party. Uh, but, yeah, Brian uh, was a good dude. He was Glen Ellen, You know, he hung around the Naperville guys, which, you know, it was a fun time to grow up and a fun place to grow up. It was yeah. Are you from there? From Naperville, yeah. Yeah. And my mom actually lived in Glen Ellen, so I would visit there every now and again. I don't know if Brian and I ever, like, knew each other before. We kind of officially knew each other back then. There there could, there could have been a time where maybe one of his brothers or something. But, yeah, Brian was a cool dude. Good guys.
3: So you had sort of accrued this uh reputation before you were working at Crow's Nest. Right?
4: Well, I worked at Oranges before Crow's Nest for a while. It's Oranges. That's another record store. Okay. And that Brian actually worked at JRs. Oh, he did. Or- <laughs> <Awesome>. Yeah, <laughs> Brian worked at JRs in the mall which was the same company. Yeah. And Oranges were a little bit cooler but but not much, but uh it got to a point where we had this manager and that hair policy. So when the district manager would come in, I'd have to rip off my name tag and pretend I was a customer. You know, oh, my God. It was going to last so long, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I went to Crow's Nest, you know, from there. But yeah, Crow's Nest was it. That was so great. But what was cool about Orange is, even before I worked there, I learned how to kind of survive with the, you know, that crappy, like, you know, pay, uh, pay job. Cause uh, my buddy Jack was managing the place and we'd go to these record conventions at Hillside Holiday Inn, you know, look for me oh, wow. and, and stuff, you know, we were uh, all over that. I can remember there being a guy that was like an Aussie poster or something. that I really wanted. And, uh, when they were going to a party the night before the record convention, and Jack's like, hey, you know, uh, take this box and throw it in the dumpster out of the back room. And there's a bunch of like old man Eric Clapton posters, you know, stuff Cure, stuff I couldn't imagine anyone like really wanting. But I'm like, maybe if I give these to that guy at Hillside, he'll give me that Ozzy poster. <laughs> and, and I go I go, and I talk to him. And I'm like, hey man, you know, I got some posters in the car. Can you come look at me? He's a hippie guy, great guy. Uh, is that Altamont. I just love this fucking guy. And um, <laughs> he comes out. He's looking at the posters, blah, blah, blah. And Flips through. He's like, oh, how about two 200? And I got this look. I was shocked. He's like, okay, 250 bucks I'll give you. And I'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll do that. I think I got him a throw in the Ozzy poster, too, with that. But wow. then not, that was how I lived. It's like, to this day, I'm still living off that shit. You know, that's like right. how I'm that's how I do it you know and uh that's that's how you had to do it back then kind of
3: and and you you worked at a, a magazine for a while too foundation is
4: right that well Did that's you, kind of that that is I had like a little column like of what was happening in Chicago and it, that was yeah. a um trade so you, magazine
3: right but you're still the tastemaker in that instance too right
4: and that was cool. That, that, that was a, a weird thing because I get a call from a, a buddy in New York who worked on a marketing company, and he said, uh, you know, I want you to talk to someone. And a, a guy gets on the phone and just says, he starts rambling off a bunch of Thirsty Whale bands at the time where I was kind of, I would graduated out of Thirsty Whale by this point. Uh-huh. And he asked, he asked me what I, I, I thought of them. And I'm like, you know, I don't think very much of them at all. And I said, what'd you, would you do this week? You know, and um, told him the shows I was at the parties I was at or whatever. And was like, you want to write for the magazine? And I'm sure, you know, I never wrote, <laughs> had written anything before. And that was, that was fun. It was a good time. Is that what led you to
3: work working with labels or?
4: No, it, I, I wanted to do the label thing since I was, I was super young. I, I we had really, great record reps around here and i and i love the way the the business worked back then it, it i was i was really at the tail end of what what i thought was you know the good things about the music business and um i didn't go to college i went to a little bit of cod and basically everyone around here i knew i worked for a label had had a gone to college. Uh, and I, and I did, but like I said, I had to have all those crappy jobs, you know, it, before. And even, even the ones that I loved, like the girl marketing stuff, it, it was, it was hard, you know, the paychecks weren't good. But, um, once I got to BMG, man, it was, I wasn't into that at all. I, I, that was, you know, I, I think bands still don't understand what it's like, like, I worked with one other person in the marketing department and any given day we had a sheet was like 110 records we were working. It's mm-hmm. impossible to do that. You know, it, it's impossible to do it well. And I worked for a guy who would say to me, it's not, what we do that's important it's the perception of what we do i feel like oh i want to fucking kill him you know, i can't right. believe this guy is saying this to me you know and that's really what it was though. that kind of summed up what my job was at the time you know and it was just terrible yeah
3: yeah you can take the hip- hypocrisy of it like it just- no i i
4: i not it just started to hate the, the music and not the music wasn't good either. And that's what, you know, was, I was doing like Ace of bass and mm-hmm. bodyguard soundtrack and R Kelly and just shit. I fucking hate it. You know, it was, it was terrible. But, um, yeah, I, I knew I got fired from there. And when I did, it, w- it was, it was one of those moments where I found out who my friends were yeah. and the ones that I was disappointed with, you know, I, I learned soon, like, good riddance. And then the cool people that came out of nowhere, that I really didn't expect anything from, that were offering me jobs, I had to think about, well, do I really want to move to New York? No, I don't. And everything that I wanted to do led to New York. And, and I didn't want to go to New York. And that's that's when I decided to open up my own store. Yeah. At that point, yeah.
3: So, I mean, that must have been a relief at, at, at that point. like seeing It did all turn that, out to be a
4: relief, yeah.
3: Yeah. And how long was that store open for?
4: Um, opened in December of 94 and closed, I think, in 2000. Oh. And, yeah, it, it was a good run. And it was just to the point where even as bad as everything was was you know, used records and vinyl and all that at that point, I, I just had to come to the common realization that I was paying the bills with the eBay money and closing the store. I gave myself a big raise, you know, to yeah. so it, you know, and I would love to do it again someday. That's, that's another reason why I'm a, on, you know, I'm a ghoul about solid records, you know, because I, I would love to open up a store again someday just when it makes sense. It doesn't make, I I don't know how people are doing it now. I don't, I don't know how people are paying, you know, $19 for vinyl and selling it for $23 and having 500 records in your store. Where do you get to zero with that? Where do you get even with that? It's almost impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that works.
3: Well, I mean, you were open during that whole Chicago boom, the alternative Chicago boom. So that must've been interesting.
4: It was. Yeah, it was kind of weird. I mean, I had a kind of bad attitude. At <laughs> I'll it, was bet. Of, uh-huh. it was a low point because I was 25 years old and I was a dinosaur, you know? And that was another thing about like, where where the industry was, where it, uh, the people who I really respected were that had really good jobs were losing them. And although, the Soundgarden and Nirvana and Pearl Jam, especially Pearl Jam, so they were all broke by the Metal Departments at their labels. Right, and you you could have easily changed the name of the Metal Department when that went out of fashion, to not obliterating without obliterating it and getting rid of all the good people that knew what they were doing. I mean, right. years before that, CMJ had a great idea where they stopped like. Categorizing the metal and punk stuff and whatever, they, they just call it loud rock. And I think it, it, everything would be better off if people would have followed that and stuck with it over, over the last years. you have a better music industry overall, yeah. especially when it came, came to rock music.
3: Yeah, I mean, it made a better story though that you know Nirvana was destroying metal. You know, no, <laughs> I mean, it made ridiculous. a better story for the for you know for Rolling Stone to talk about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Did I, I'm sorry. I had to leave for a second to let my dog out. Did I miss the Iron Maiden guest list story? No. And then have also, I missed how you guys first met each other? I'd like to hear those two
4: things if I could. Thank you. Oh, well, <laughs> the one Scott's talking about was just the punchlines kind of gone, but, uh, I was just working one day and I get a call from a marketing company asking if I want to go see Iron Maiden that night. Like, but you had sure. been
3: on Iron Maiden's list before. Right. Right. I had. How long, how, how long had you been on Iron Maiden's list? What album would that oh,
4: have been? The first time yeah. would have been probably Fear the Dark. So since And then the one after that and the one after that. Okay. So
3: since Fear the Dark, every time they come through, their people would call you and say, come on out, Brian
4: it wasn't so much their people it was the, the label people yeah that would that would do that, would do that. <clears throat> so i got a call from a marketing company do you want to see made it and it was with that other singer you know i just didn't i didn't really didn't want to see them like that but deal was opening so i was like <laughs> sure yeah, yeah i'll go see dio you know and i get to the riv and go to get my tickets and the envelopes really thick and i'm like wow this is this can't just be stickers you know And I I open up the envelope and there's these detailed instructions (laughs) about the time I was supposed to meet at the side of the stage to go on stage and sing that Heaven Can Wait song, which I (laughs) despise. (laughs) Like, and I would have done it if it was a good song, but there was no way in hell I was doing that. So, uh, you know, I watched Dio and had a couple beers and talked to people, whatever, and thank God I didn't go to the after show. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I didn't really stay forbidden and, and left. And the next day I get a call from the marketing company, or maybe it was Monday after or whatever, they're like, Hey, how come you didn't go to the show? I'm like, I, I was there and the dude's like, Are you sure? They're they're really mad. And I'm like, Well, is this stuff to do with singing that song? He goes, I, I don't know, but they're they're really mad. And then the guy kind of mumbles, he goes, I'm supposed to tell you you're banned for life from our maiden <laughs> guest list. I was <laughs> like, What? Because they're mad and you're not allowed to mating guest list anymore. And just the thought of that Rod Smallwood guy, you know, every night goes, that guy coming? <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's hilarious. Yeah. That was at the yeah. Riv? That was at the Riv. Yeah. I got better on Maiden stories on that, though
3: oh yeah like what like, come on
4: I, well, is, it, is it kind of hogged up all the time uh, you no. guys could cut this stuff no, out right? this is all made all day all
2: night
4: so <laughs> you want to you want a good one or an ugly one, good one. A good, 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 one. good one the good uh, a good one is uh 1990 i'm at foundations forum and that's something i went to for years and that was uh, that was always a blast and when, when, you sign up for those music conference things, the list of attendees get passed around and for weeks before you get invitations to different parties and stuff. And they, you know, they're always label parties and free drinks and some food or whatever. And, uh, I get, impar- I get invited to this party that was just called the party to end all parties. And it started at like 1am. It, it was a weird thing to begin with. And it, it, was like in a suite on the top of this hotel And I go in there. I I have no idea to this day, like who paid for the drinks. Go in there, and everyone in there is famous, but me (laughs) and this this guy that was Lita Ford's boyfriend that looked terrified, (laughs) that was in there like holding her hand and just shaking. And then it, it was like, and then this guy that was behind the bar in black pants and a white shirt. You know, you look around, like, Pearl Jam guys are suicidal tendencies. Uh, Pantera was, like, the shiny new thing, even though they've been around forever. And Alice in Chains, and, you know, there's just a room full of those dudes. And I go up to the bar and ask the guy in the black pants and the white shirt, you know, for a couple Budweisers. And that Phil guy, who was always kind of a dick, the Pantera guy, was like, do you know who the fuck that is? He you was know, like right in my face and shit. And uh, like, no. And he goes, that's Paul fucking Dano, man. Like, who kn- who knows what Paul Diano looks like in 1990? I mean, he looked like the bartender, you know? He was on the other side of the bar. And I apologized for, you know, thing as a bartender. And me and Paul Diano hung out all fucking night. And he was the coolest guy in the world. I mean, he was so fun and, Just really had a great time with it. (laughs) But yeah. So, what was was the
3: ugly story?
4: Well, I have a couple ugly ones, but my favorite ugly one is that my first concert, my dad drove me to, but without any parental supervision, was made in a Chicago Fest for Mm -hmm. number the beast. (laughs) And (laughs) I can't get this one right. Okay. So, I think, like, Frank Sinatra or something was playing that night, too. And my dad what? kind of, Yeah, I, I could be wrong about Frank Sinatra, but there was something that, for my dad to see while we right were there. there. And me and three of my friends go. And this the opening band was just in fucking hell. It was this band called Bohemia, and they were just getting pelted with garbage like I've never seen any other band. It was like, when I went to see Rush, Ozzy, and all Oz, you know, that, I was so much younger than everyone else. And at this maiden thing, I was younger than everyone else, but not so much. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I could still kind of like relate to the people there. And it was like you let every like detention hall of the Western suburbs out one place, like the Warriors, where they all gathered and they attacked this, this band that was on. And uh, while it's happening, the way that show was set up was they had uh, Bleacher type seats but they weren't raised at all you know it'd be like one bench after another bunch and my dad leaves us alone and me and my buddies go like behind the very last bunch where you couldn't see the band because everyone's standing on those bleacher things and, and we're smoking hash and you know people are kind of like walking by or whatever but there's two you know Pretty girls in their twenties that are behind us, and they see us, you know, smoking hash behind them. And they're like, "Oh, they're so cute! Look at them, whatever, you know." And it was, we end up smoking hash with these girls, and you know, like, got our arm around each other. Me and my buddy Dave. The other, the other two guys went back uh, uh, about ten feet so that they could kind of see the band. And you know, I'm like on top of the world. <laughs> you know, it was like I'm our, my, our maiden. Um, you know, this is the summer between eighth grade and freshman year, and I got like Miss September on my arm. Yeah. Everything's awesome. And of course, some dick has to ruin it. This guy, <laughs> this like full adult, comes up and you know, starts hassling my sweetie. He <laughs> just tells him, you know, to fuck off right away. And he's obviously drunk. And he comes back again, isn't bother again. And then the way it was set up, like her ass would have been like face level with this dude, you know, because he's walking on the ground and she's standing on this thing and he comes up and he, he kisses her ass. Yeah. And like I've told this story I think wrong for years because I told it like I jumped off the bench and defended my suite which I don't think is true. I think what really happened was the dude pulls me. I, I start laughing. I'm giving him a finger or something like that. And he goes back to his drunk friends, like 10 feet away, and the point and laughing. It turns into like kind of that spider scene in Goodfellas. And it comes back and pulls me off the bench. And the motherfucker punches me so hard in my skull. Like I'm, I'm concussed, but I'm still standing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I see my, my friend hiding behind the girls. Then. You know, I think his friends were laughing. I was still standing. He comes and gives me in the other one. Just, you know, I've never been hit like this ever before in my life. And there is a hero to the story. I'll never forget this. And I know this is right. A dude was like in a safety orange dego T pushing a guy in a wheelchair. I swear he like... Push the wheelchair after dude that was hitting me, and and gets in his face or whatever. And next thing I know, this fucking asshole is apologizing to me, and I get a tour book and a beer out of it. You know, what the back with the <laughs> girls watching made it. So that turned out good. And my dad never knew anything about it. No, <laughs> never, <laughs> never a peep to my dad. Yeah, that was Do you good, guys want to
0: hear the? Do you guys want to hear the full lineup at Chicago Fest that year, 1982?
4: Yeah, that's serious.
0: Yeah. Uh Wednesday, August fourth, Chicago, the band. Greg Kinn ah. and Luther Allison. Who's Luther Allison? He's a blues guy. Oh, okay. Um, Thursday, August
3: fifth. Oh, Luther Allison with an E.
0: Yeah, what did I say?
3: Oh, you, I thought you said oh. Luther Allison with an O.
0: <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, uh uh Thursday, August fifth, Bohemia. Who, I don't know who you mean. that's them.
4: Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, right. Iron Maiden and then Cool in the Gang.
4: <laughs> the did my dad see Cool in the Gang?
0: That sounds about wow. right. <laughs> and then get this Thursday, August 12th at Navy Pier, Cheap Trick and the Beach Boys.
3: Oh, Ooh, God dude, bless Mayor Byrne. That Cheap Trick show is really uh, famous, the one is at it? Navy Pier, wasn't it? Or that, how, well, They did a few.
4: The, the famous one was '81, and then I—I okay. I don't know what Ben's looking at, but the next time they played was that weird year that it wasn't at Navy Pier; it was at Soldier Field, and that was one-on-one tour.
3: So '81 was the one that was on soundstage.
4: That's the famous one, right? '81, okay. exactly.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at a. It says August 12th, '82, and it says Navy Pier, but you know this is set list. FM or whatever that's got trust. Oh, I don't uh, my Bible. Yeah. Uh, but they started with Hello there. Then they did California Man.
3: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Ben, did... you're telling me Cheap Trick started with Hello there? Yeah. No, <laughs> that doesn't believe.
0: sound right. Uh, I understand.
4: If the heavy metal soundtrack songs are on that set list, it's definitely 81. So what are, one are some of the heavy time.
0: metal soundtrack songs?
4: Uh, uh, Reach Out. If Reach Out's on there, it's 81.
0: Nope. Hmm. Oh. No. Now it could be wrong. You could be, you could be right. It could, maybe it wasn't at Navy pier, but that's what settlers list.
3: Well, you talked about this earlier and this is something that Brian and I have a major disagreement on. Let's talk about the disco demolition. Oh, <laughs> now you do not go with, with the, the, the narrative that, uh, that that was homophobic and racist, that the, the the Steve Dahl disco demo, demolition where everybody brought their disco records to have them blown up. I and don't. we've talked about this and, and I, what? I think it's a really ugly event. Uh, and I do think it's homophobic and racist and you don't. Why?
4: I don't. And I, I'll tell you, like, I think someone that didn't see it. And I, I mean, you're two years younger than me, right? You're 50 now. I'm 51. Fifty-one. Okay, so I, I mean, I was a little, little, little kid when I when I saw what I saw with that, and it it makes perfect sense that would be racist and homophobic the way it's told now. Right. But I just know that when you see the talking heads on those shows talking about it, like, oh, it was revolt against music and gay clubs and stuff the people I knew wearing Disco Sucks T-shirts didn't even know that existed. Like, uh-huh. they, 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 there was no anger towards that. Like, they probably would have hated it if they knew about it, but it, it, just, it just wasn't that. And I think the last time you and I actually talked about this, we were talking about the Bee Gees, which are straight, white, rich men. I mean, I, you know, I, you can revolt against the Bee Gees without being homophobic and, you know, racist. Sure,
3: but everybody was calling them, you know, faggots and everything like that right so it was all conflated in that same type of thing
4: yeah and i mean you're, you're absolutely right about that but i think like when uh you know teenage boy in the suburbs used that word back then he wasn't like it was a terrible word always right. i'm not justified using it but i don't think he was actually like thinking of a homosexual right. That yeah, that you're, right. That you're,
3: right. you're right you're right you're it, it right
4: it was a different thing and it, telling the story now yeah it would, it would sound horrible and it makes sense what you're saying but i, I just don't believe it I, I i today like this might even go against like my point here but i see people mm-hmm. online and on places i hang out online that get all mad about justin Bieber or whatever the kardashians you know i I don't know anything about that. I don't get mad. I can't name a Justin Bieber song to save my fucking life. You know, I, I don't know what that It's not that angry about. It. I'm much more <laughs> mad about corn. I sit yeah. there, all those fucking corn biscuit bands. I have to watch with a thirteen dollar beer in my hand. You know, time <laughs> after time. That's what I get mad about. I'm not mad about you know Justin Bieber, and you know, I th- I think it, it's it's the same when people talk about the, the racist homophobic thing with at least the part of the anti-disco thing i saw in 1979 mm-hmm.
3: well i mean a good point that you made when we were talking about this was that like everyone had to show up with a record so people were just buying whatever was the cheapest record you know right was, was that you that was saying that
4: i did say i did say that because in one of the talking head shows someone made a point where like people were bringing records that were black records Mm. and not necessarily disco records. And that sounds terrible, but when you, when you think of the reality of it, it was just some kid, okay, well, I could get in this baseball game for 98 cents. If I bring a record and there's, you know, going to records, there's Rush and Aerosmith. Oh, how does Larissa Franklin record get in here that I don't care about? You know, let's bring yeah. that. And right. I think I think it was much more of that than it was actual, like, I hate this because this person's black type record. I mean, yeah. there's absolutely racism in, involved in that. I just, I, I think it's being misrepresented these days. But
3: I mean, it, it's always easy to, to to bend the narrative from hindsight, you know, and, and mm-hmm. bend it to what you want. But, you know, I mean, I, I think, I think that, you know, somebody like Steve Dahl deserves a fair amount of scorn. I mean, you know, people like that, they know what they're doing and they know how, and we've seen that, you know, we've seen that in the last few years to the hundredth degree, people know how to take that kind of that frustration that, that white men feel and really, you know, bend it to their will. And, you know, and for, for, uh, steve doll's ratings and for other people it's you know the country
4: i get what you're saying there and like when, when i make my point i'm not necessarily talking about steve Dahl. i'm talking yeah. about the kids and the, the audience you know yeah steve Dahl probably was aware of all those things that they're accusing you know people of being homophobic and racist about so you know i'm not saying him but it i don't know i just i just think it's it it's History is being rewritten a little over the last decade or so. Yeah,
3: oh yeah. I mean, but I, you know, back with the disco thing, and this was something else we were talking about. I, I think people don't get Saturday Night Fever. They did not get what a dark movie that was, you know. And, and that that being sold to everybody as, you know, look how fun this is, you know, this is great. And it's like that's not what that movie is about. I mean, that movie is about disgusting people you know <clears throat> that movie's about homophobia and racism
4: i love that movie it's a great I it. movie and, and i've even gotten to the point where i enjoy bg's songs <laughs> i mean you know they're the best right it's good that movie was fantastic It it's really really good movie I, I i like it all but i could see the revolt against saturday Night fever not, not if the kids that were mad about that movie probably never saw it right in 1979 you know they were just mad that their parents were buying the record and taking disco lessons you know (laughs) (laughs) they they wanted no part of it and i understand that
3: right
0: well i think when you're a kid you want to pick sides so i was a kid during that time and it was always like rock and roll versus disco and none of us really knew what the fuck we were talking about or what the difference really was. I mean, you know, it it sort of came down to sort of like, uh, most of it seemed to come down to like drumming for us. Like people would talk about like how disco beats were just this mechanical, you know, thing to make you dance and that there was nothing inherently human about those disco drum sounds and patterns, whereas rock and roll, you know, I don't know, was more soulful in some weird way. But I mean, we were also fighting about like. Even Adam though the, the disco
3: take, took more from Soul than, you know, like
0: the right. metal bands right. everything. Right, so we didn't know right. what the fuck we were talking about. And then it was like Adam and the Ants versus the Stray Cats. It was like stupid shit like that. You were always like trying to pit things against each other. And so we fell right into that. But yeah. Adam I think and the
3: Ants versus the Stray Cats? Yeah. I think they were on the same
0: team then. Nope. <laughs> not, not at the time they weren't. Gotta tell ya. And I was, I I was, yeah, I know which camp I was in,
3: but, um, well, we don't do that here. We do not pit bands against each other.
0: We don't, we don't do that. Do we
3: (laughs)
2: gay? No, but I I think I want to ask Brian, were you uh, an original mutant with maiden one of the Chicago mutants?
4: I have the Chicago mutants rule shirt from the pavilion, 1983. That's as close to, as I get to be in that. But I know the guys that were con, I remember the guys that were considered the mutant guys and no, I wasn't one of them. I was, but you, I was real young. But
2: going back to your, your like record collecting and, and record convention days, like a, a year or two ago, I found one of my maiden shirts from Chicago, 88 on the seven sun tour, a Chicago mutants uh, shirt. I sold it on eBay. For a thousand dollars. Wow, good for you. <laughs> hey, I'm a little longer younger than you guys. I'm only forty nine. Oh, that's great. Oh fuck you. <laughs> so that that was the first time I could see Maiden on my own and, and with you know, ever in eighty eight on the Seven Sun tour. And I sold that shirt for a thousand, but uh, Was that the one we-
4: with Megadeth?
2: I'm pretty sure it was with Megadeth. But if if you had some of your shirts from those times, I bet you can get a lot more than that for yours.
4: Well, I still have that original Chicago Mutant Rule shirt. I hate that it's sleeveless, though. It came like that.
2: Oh, that was a like, oh, nice. sleeveless shirt. shirt, yeah. It was, a shirt. yeah, yeah.
4: it was a muscle shirt, yeah. But it, <laughs> <laughs> that will hit eBay one of these days.
3: <laughs> well, Brian, Brian's Facebook page is probably the best use of that evil platform that I know of. Every day, Uh, Brian posts these old record reviews or film reviews or people's birthdays. Whose birthday is it today, Brian?
4: You're stumping me. Um, Jeez. I I don't remember. (laughs) But
3: the weird thing about it is like every time you post somebody's birthday, like 80% of the time, you've got a picture with that person.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Like I'm you were Sherry have a picture. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs>
4: yeah. I'm very lucky that way. Yeah, I got to meet a lot of very cool people. Um, that was all you know, working a crows nest stuff, ah. and uh, that and people didn't have phones, you know, with cameras back then either. So it was the label people taking the pictures, or Sherry would have a camera, which yeah. was pretty great. Yeah. I don't even know how I started doing that. <laughs> it's just some weird thing. I think, like, it, there, there was some anniversary of some record, and people responded to him like, oh, I'll do it again tomorrow, you know? And it just kind of went from there. It's, kinda, it's fun. It's good. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I like the, the movie reviews that you, you post. I like
4: your movie reviews, too. Oh, wow. Well. All right. So, uh,
3: Cheap Trick, are they the best band ever?
4: Yes. Yeah. Cheap Trick are the best band ever.
3: When did you cut? When did you decide this?
4: Oh God. Uh, as soon as I lost interest in what kiss was doing in around <laughs> 1981 or so at that point, I realized that cheap trick was the fucking band. And, uh, I love that band They're, I've probably seen cheap trick a hundred times, right. which is, <laughs> it, might, it might have been more than that. And I love it every time. Still, so I really love that band. tell you a story about them when uh we were kids and my buddy jack won a contest to go to dinner with them and it was at a place called victor's which was a nice restaurant like some northern suburb and we showed up super early because we're kids and we're excited and they showed up late and the place was waiting for us and the waitress comes by, you know, and there's like me and my girlfriend, Sherry. And there's six of us, Mark Skillicorn, Matt Suhar was there and Jack and Karen. And, uh, they go around like, oh, what do you guys want? You know, it's like 7-Up, Pepsi, 7-Up, Pepsi. <laughs> and Matt Suhar is some ridiculous, like, old people drink that he has <laughs> for. You know? I forget what the fuck it was. It's like an old-fashioned or something. You Harvey
3: know? Wallbanger?
4: Yeah, exactly. It probably was a Harvey Wallbanger. <laughs> and so the Harvey Wallbanger comes. Next thing you know, like, our table is just covered in Heinekens, <laughs> and, you know, whatever. And cheap Tricks show up, and we're fucking loaded. <laughs> We're just drunk out of our minds by the time they come with the record with the CBS guy and Robin and Rick want nothing to do with it. Right. <laughs> Rick Sapp, I mean, we t- we talked a little bit but Bunny was cool as fuck. Bunny, really? And you would not expect it, all the stories you hear about Bunny. No. He was the greatest, and it was ACDC stories and drinking Motley Crue under the table stories and this and that. And John Brandt was pretty cool, too. There was some on time. But, uh, you know, by the end of the night, those guys – well, I should go back a little bit. You know, I'm like to bunny, I'm like, is this fun for you? Whatever. He's like, we don't get to eat like this every night. And we're ordering off the menu and they're teaching us how to drink Dom Paryon. The CBS guy's losing his mind. Like, you know, right. he's he doesn't even know if he has a credit card to cover that probably at one point. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> And those guys, we are in the parking lot puking our guts out at the end of the night, and cheap tricks taking pictures of us. You know, it's, those guys are out there with the cameras, which was hilarious. Yeah, that was cool.
3: And those <laughs> are the pictures at, on the inside of Standing on the Edge.
4: Yeah, it was. They were making the doctor at the time. Oh, actually, it, it was a promo for Standing on the Edge that so we won.
3: God, is there? <laughs> Oh, is there anything more heartbreaking than the doctor?
4: Yeah. You know what's crazy about that is I remember there was like some weird rumor about Gene Simmons wanting to produce that record, and I said something to John Brown about it. And his exact words were, "Yeah, Gene wanted us to do a Quiet Right Bang Your Head record." You know, now looking back on it, they would have been much better off with the Quiet Right your record yeah, than I what they see- made.
3: I don't see how it could have gone worse.
4: But there's good songs on there. I've what? heard those, yeah, I've heard those songs. It's Only Love was a good song just the way it was. Yeah. And then there's a couple other ones that I'd go to these geeky, cheap trick festival things where they'd break out the odd stuff and you'd have like Robin with an acoustic guitar playing some of those songs like, god damn, that's a really good song when you wipe all the shit off. Of it, oh my you know?
3: god, there's so much shit to wipe off though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even I- those demos that was that was on uh, Cheap Trick Sex in America, like uh, you know, I I couldn't make head head or tail of that either you know
4: right yeah it was a weird time it was a weird time but i mean you'd have to hear it i wouldn't expect you to tell my word for it but some of those songs are okay when you strip them down a little bit
3: yeah but when they came back with that red ant record i mean i, I couldn't believe it oh. i could not believe what a that a band could come back from that and make a record that was that good i, I couldn't believe it
4: i think that's where you and i first bonded scott yeah talking about so. that record uh upstairs at liar's club
3: yeah that, made, yeah. that record made a huge impression on me.
4: I loved it, it was so good. It was one of those things that it was just too good, and it wasn't promoted right, a bunch of unfortunate things happened, but man, and they've had a lot of good records since then. I mean, yeah. there's no other band of, you know, at, I buy the AC/DC records, and they're good, fun to listen to a couple times in the tour and everything. But I, I don't. There's no other band from that era that I dig into the records like I do Cheap Trick stuff. So.
3: Right, right, yeah. They really clawed their way back, and it was it was really inspiring. Yeah.
0: So wait, so you guys met? I I still don't know how you guys met. Was it at Liars Club? We
4: have a lot of mutual fronts. Right. and I'll probably gonna remember this more on Scott. You know. Because I, I knew who Scott was when I met him. Ron Schneider, when I was in my fucking bad way about just hating everything, would t- when he was torn with you guys, is like, you got to check out Local H. You're going to love this. You're going to love that. I'm like, yeah. You know? I, <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't give a shit. You know? And then uh, when 103.5 came on the air, I was playing that in the store quite a bit. And that's when I kind of got turned on to Local H. Even Sherry came home one day and like, oh, there's this high five and motherfucker. So I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. And Scott, and I I'm sure it was liar or something or another, but I remember having that talk about the Chief Truck Record with you. And I also, I don't know if you can remember this. I remember you and I did a duet of Heaven's on Fire at the first karaoke. Kiss, kiss, carry you yeah. club. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. See, I yeah. wasn't sing fucking hurt but I did it with you. Yeah. <laughs> I,
3: did I, on I, 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 I. <laughs> heaven's up. I always pick that song because uh, Herb hates it. So I always <laughs> do either lick it up or heaven's on fire or tears are falling. Anything to make him want to rip his head off. <laughs> See, the thing about Brian is, is if if he's on the list of the show, you're like. I'm like, well, tonight I have to be good, you know. It's like, you always make me put my game up when I know you're going to be there, and well, when, you. when I don't know you're going to be there, I'm like, ah, fuck! Why didn't anybody tell me he was there?
4: <laughs> those uh, those COVID shows you guys did was the best. My best nights of COVID, going to those yeah. driving shows was so cool. I mean, no, that was really you. a great thing. I thank love you.
3: those. You know, I have COVID now, right?
4: I do. And I hope, <laughs> I wish you well. I wish you both well.
3: Oh, uh, We're fine. We're fine.
4: <clears throat> yeah.
3: All right. Well, I think this went well. I know you were nervous about it, but I, I think you were one of the best guests we've ever had.
4: Stop
2: it. No, yeah, he's very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, articulate and very <laughs> informative. And uh, had a lot of good stories to tell about his days in the Chicago uh roxine and you know, this is the first time Trope made their way onto the show when they should have been on a long time ago as far he as he
3: said etrope i don't even remember like i was oh, just yeah. caught up I, I don't even remember etrope making it in, in there
4: god bless barry stern what a great <laughs> <laughs> yes barry. oh i gotta say if i said etrope i gotta say it's no white i cannot leave this oh. without saying it's no white. or i will be in trouble <laughs> another great one <vibe. laughs> yes
3: well, we'll just cut this out anyway. So
0: you're going to oh, be man. in trouble.
3: Anyway.
4: Please leave no white in there. Please. <laughs> okay. Is that with the Z? With the Z. That's right.
0: Wow. <laughs> nice. All the Chicago bands with the Z's. Enough is enough. There's no white. I'll See, of-
4: the, the city bands had the Z's, and the suburban bands had the two X's. You get know, all the Trixie dicks with the X's, you know, in the suburbs. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> does e, does e- count with the silent Z, though? They do.
3: They do count, yeah.
2: They do count. No, I mean, I, all right, come on. Let's,
3: let's talk about this. Why is it E-Trope and, you know, and it's American Zoetrope? <laughs> Something is <laughs> fucked up here. I think somebody doesn't know how to pronounce their name.
4: Wait, are you telling me that the film company is not pronounced E-Trope?
3: No, it's, Amer- it's pronounced American Zoetrope. I never knew. <laughs> I never, right back me up no here, idea. Ben.
0: Well, yeah, I don't know this band you're talking about. How do they spell their name? Like, like
2: Zoetrope. Z- Z-O-E-T-R-O-P-E. Look him up.
0: <laughs> and you just say E trope, you drop the Z and the O?
4: That? <laughs> it's a Chicago thing. I
3: don't understand how everyone like got the memo. You know, <laughs> yeah. like someone's like, This
2: is e Trope. I'm like, No, it's not. That yeah, it's like it's like it's, it's like Celtic Frost or, or Sam Hain. No, you don't, it's not. Say it. You say it how it sounds and how it looks sometimes, or or you say it how you want. I don't Sam know.
3: Hain looks how it's spelled. Like if you look up to
0: and if Celtic or to, Celtic Frost, also you say it how it looks, but you some people don't know if it's a hard C or a soft C, and I guess that's completely one is valid. different, right? If you just this look something at something crazy. and
3: you say, "Well, the Z doesn't even rate," I don't have time for this. <laughs>
4: By that the way, I'm sense. totally against that Celtic Frost bullshit. <laughs> are you It's Celtic doing that twenty years into absolutely'm <laughs> <Yes. laughs> i not having that. I get pissed when people say. It's almost like a guy introducing himself to me with a nickname. You like know, I have no tolerance for that shit <laughs> and like Celtic Frost either. Yeah,
3: all right. well, what about Dale Hughley? He says his name is Dale Hughley. I'm like, are you sure? because it's it's not Howard Hughes.
4: It's so weird. Like, the only other time I've ever heard that name was someone asking me the same question. <laughs> like, I
3: don't know what about. It was that me. Person. We <laughs> were talking about a cheap trick, and I was like, now
2: let me ask you a real question.
3: <laughs> DL Hughley. Come on, I don't right?
2: DL Hughley. <laughs> Z Trope or Z Trope? <laughs> Sounds like Zoe Trope. That's what it says.
4: But, but you, you know how everyone knew it? I know the answer to how everyone knew that. Is because before the internet and before even WVVX to get concert information, a couple of times a week, you had to call 312-666-6667, <laughs> right. which was the jam hotline.
3: Yeah.
4: And the people wow. at jam knew the e-trope guys. And that's how <laughs> everyone knows how to say e-trope because they opened for everybody. Right. So it'd be like Slayer and E trope or you know, yeah.
2: We can ask Ken Black. Isn't Ken Black around? Is he still around? Man, I haven't
3: uh, seen Ken Black in a long time.
4: Yeah, it's been years.
3: He would I can't, know E. trope. No, he would say E. He Olivia? has said e. trope.
2: But I, I'm yeah. saying he doesn't know how to pronounce his own no, band. You pronounce it your own way you want to. When you make your name for your kid, you can spell it the way you want and say it the way you want. You can't just... You know, you, that's not how the English language works. You
3: can't do that. You can't say, hey, come on, smeal. Wait, what? Smeal. <laughs> you know, make your lips go up, the sides of your mouth go up. Smeal. S-M-I-L-E. <laughs> you can't do that. That's not how it works. Oh, you oh, mean smile,
0: ads. motherfucker. <clears throat> I can't find E-Trope on the internet at all. Like, there's no mention of this band. They've been scrubbed.
4: Yeah. If, if you if you've typed in z o e t r o p e and then the word street metal you're gonna hit <laughs>
3: <laughs> a little bit of a tip
2: for you i got i got both their records on vinyl in my collection so maybe one day i'll sell them we'll see but no the, don't sell those those are good I, I know but they still have their way in my collection somehow and i don't good stuff i saw them open for a lot of bands yeah they open for everybody they had that good spot try finding them on spotify we'll see if we can make the playlist
3: <clears throat> how you doing there, Ben?
0: Well, I did find they do have a Wikipedia, but it doesn't talk about how to pronounce their name at all.
4: Yeah, I think this is. This what if, is one what of if the you great put it in one of those internet uh, pr- pronunciation like name things where the yeah, speaker... then it
0: comes up. Then, but you only get like hey, the, Siri the, the, the dictionary definition.
3: Z-Trope. I came up with a new one. Here's
0: what I think happened is that... I found this on the web for how do you pronounce it code. Check it out.
3: Not zip code. Fuck you.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I've got plenty of of audio pronunciations of Zoetrope, which is like Zoetrope or Zoetrope. Those are the two ways you can say it. Here's my guess. The band named itself Zoetrope, and none of their fans knew how to say it and they said why don't we just shorten it to etrope because we kind of know how to say that part of the name we don't know how to handle the z and the L. No,
3: here's my right. guess they named themselves after zoetrope and they didn't know how to pronounce it
0: they oh. did the band itself
3: <laughs> obviously imagine being in a band and you don't know how to pronounce the your own band
2: we'll solve this mystery what's, what's, what's the,
3: name the name of your band, band? <laughs> the rolling stones wait what
4: <laughs> <laughs> they did kind of sound like that in the early days.
3: Lead Zeppelin. <laughs> that's that's what it would be like if they
0: called Zeppelin. Well, actually, you told this story about how your name, the name of your band, is pronounced in Australia. Local H.
3: But that's different. That's the way they pronounce H, like a bunch of uh, murderers. <laughs> 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 I give up you <laughs> didn't seem like you were getting much on there.
0: But yeah, okay, I'll, here I'll play you somebody pronouncing zoetrope. It is a mystery. Zoetrope. Oh, all
3: right. All you got to do is listen to the, the uh, any trailer for a for a Francis Ford zoetrope. Coppola movie since since Because you since, think they say since the name conversation? the
0: conversation. They say the name of the production company in the trailer. They
3: do American Zoetrope. Presents oh. Oh, all right
4: apocalypse now. I wish we talked more about movies.
0: About I, that's what now. I say every every week. <laughs> 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 I wish we talked more about the replacements and or movies. <laughs> What's your favorite movie, Brian?
4: Oh, boy, I have a lot, but like when it comes down to it, fuck.
3: you did want to talk about movies, right?
4: Yeah, it's either Bad News Bears or Over the Edge. It's one of the two. And those oh. are two, or like I knew every character in real life in both of those movies.
3: Over the Edge, or what was the other one? Bad News, Bad Bears. News Bears. Oh, Bad News Bears. Yeah, Bad News Bears the- is so great. Now let's talk about the remake of Bad News Bears. Have you seen it? Let's, can we not? I, don't
4: I want did to It's even it, think about it. has been a while, and it, it was okay. Th- the ki- The kids weren't there, though. I couldn't relate to the kids.
3: I think it's really good. And all the kids you can play baseball for real. I mean, it, it, it's a really good movie. It's far better than it had any reason to be. You don't yeah, like I just, it, Ben. I,
0: didn't, I won't watch it. Oh, oh, you're
3: doing I'd, yourself a disservice.
0: I'd sooner watch the Rob Zombie Halloween than watch that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's not the same thing at all. Linklater
3: do you, do you, gets. Linklater, uh, Linklater gets. Yeah, R- Richard Linklater did the, yes, the remake. But did,
2: Ben never watched it? Or did you watch it?
0: no i never watched it and i don't i just billy bob thornton talk about a guy who i yeah. saw on stage i saw billy bob thornton open for elvis costello in chicago one time yeah
3: well that's your problem
0: i mean that was Almost. maybe the most embarrassing thing i've ever seen what about that, that, that shit
3: what about that interview where billy bob got got upset yeah. because the guy wanted to talk about his movie he's like yeah you, you, you wouldn't talk like that to Tom Petty, would you? Like, no, I wouldn't, because Tom Petty's a real fucking musician, you fucking idiot.
4: Well, I think, I think that the remake is okay, but it's no worry. of course, you know, near the original.
3: Oh, of course not. I'm not making any claims for that, but I am I, saying that the remake does not deserve the scorn that Ben Reiser is heaping upon it.
4: No remake, awesome. I'm happy scene, to say
0: it's sight unseen. Maybe it's that, great. That, I don't. That I don't scene want. I, I. Where the kids I have a are singing.
3: In theory with it. That scene where the kids are singing cocaine at the Hooters. <laughs> great. <laughs> I'm gonna great. That's because
0: it reminded you of your high school uh, talent contest, and that's okay, Ben. Yeah. You have a personal connection to that
2: So Ben's never seen Ben's Bears and he hates it And Scott's never eaten Chipotle and he hates it
0: (laughs) And you've never listened to the Replacements and you hate them Uh, I don't hate them I just have no room for them in my collection
4: (laughs) I don't (laughs) (laughs) Does everyone here Hate the Rob Zombie Halloween's Absolute nothing good
3: no, well, I, 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 hate the, again, I hate I the new Halloweens. I hate the David Gordon Green Halloweens. Too. Those are terrible too. Oh, I will not see the new one. Fuck that. I won't either.
0: Hmm. And I, I went I, to yeah. see that first David Gordon Green one, and I was like, God, did I get suckered? Oh, I knew we were in trouble from the very beginning when yeah. he was like
3: holding up the mask, Michael. I was like, Oh, we should go. We should.
4: I said like two nights ago. <laughs> get,
3: <laughs> was it terrible?
4: For the new one, it's it's not great, but I can watch bad Halloween movies and enjoy them.
3: See, I, I can watch Halloween 4 and enjoy it. I mean, I, right. I like Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. But
4: there's, Oh, I like that one. That,
0: wait, is that the one Paul Rudd? Uh, that might be 5. Oh.
3: Okay.
4: I think that is 5. Yeah. I believe but, that is 5. Like,
0: I was like, when
3: those movies came out, I was like, you know what? As long as Michael Myers is in it, I'm going to like it. And it doesn't even have to be good. I'm still going to get a little scared. And then Rob Zombie shows up, and I'm like, eh, well, I guess... I guess I don't have to live with that anymore.
0: Are you saying you don't like Halloween three season of the witch?
3: I, I, I always keep it on when it comes on. I've got no problem with it, okay. but, uh, but you know, cause you said, Halloween. as long
0: as Michael Myers is in it. So I thought maybe you were giving a, a swipe at that one. I might've said that.
4: And you guys, so I, I haven't heard your podcast about the seventies movies yet, but I, cause I just been digging into this thing for the last couple of weeks, but I'm excited to listen.
3: Well, we're about to do one about Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
4: Oh, that'll be good. Yeah. You know, like, I'm kind of weird about that 70s thing because, like, I, I, I never liked Star Wars. I was ruined for that. And I had HBO in 1975.
3: Was Jaws ever your scene? Totally.
4: Totally. I saw Jaws. <laughs> Jaws. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I did like that. Yeah, I, I and, was uh, getting there. I was gonna get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, gonna, I know what. Like I guess that. we know
3: what our closing song is gonna yes, be. Yes, there we go.
4: <laughs> Bicycle. Uh, How did I fall for that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Know. I'm so proud of myself, though. Oh my god, <laughs> that might be the best ending ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we did it. We took us 38 episodes, but we did it. Back. Oh man! How many,
3: man? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I got to get over myself. So <laughs> that was over there, pissed that he didn't come up with it. <laughs> 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 oh. uh, okay. Bicycle,
1: bicycle. Bicycle I want to ride my Bicycle 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 I want to ride my bicycle I want to ride my bike I want to ride my bicycle I want to ride it where I like You say black I say white You say black I say say white You say shark I say him and George was never my scene And I don't like Star Wars I say, Roy. Say, say, God. Give me a choice. I say, Lord. I say, Christ. I don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein, or Superman.
4: I think they're still going.
1: Fuck.